It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS.com at FFFSOSS on Twitter Instagram, Twitch.tv slash AJNick3. A big show on this Tuesday. We'll be breaking down Champions League quarterfinal second legs. We'll do a weekend soccer recap, do some NFL headlines with Lamar Jackson update and Aaron Rodgers update, a reaction to Jalen Hurts' contract, making him the biggest, highest paid player in league history. So we'll do that in NFL headlines and then a little look back at the golf tournament over the weekend, the RBC Heritage, which was a very good tournament. Hopefully you were tuned in on Sunday for that one again uh going once a week soon i would say after the soccer season ends um i would probably say once a week and that could be either like a probably a monday tuesday or wednesday release rather than much later in the week most likely i would say so we'll see i don't know i don't know yet where we're at with that but just a reminder we're gonna go to once a week soon after the uh footy season ends because you know I don't even really watch the Yanks and the Metsies for baseball. I don't watch the other teams. Um, and I have watched some NBA, very, very little NBA playoffs. Very, very little. Maybe like five minutes total, to be fair. I'm not going to sit here and say I've been watching the NBA playoffs. I haven't. But I am going to be watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's, of course, because that's one of the best uh, postseason tournaments, whatever, whatever you want to call it. In sports, that's for sure. So, uh, probably hockey talk after the first round. Maybe wait till the conference finals to pick it back up. But we'll see. We'll see. But nothing set in stone about that or the NBA playoffs, to be fair. So, um, but on this show, we're gonna be doing a Champions League second leg breakdown with those matches coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday. Then we'll look back at the weekend that was in the football world. Then NFL headlines and golf. Mando. End of the season uh, reaction will be on Thursday show. So that will be on Thursday show. Um, that'll be episode eight, which I'm very excited about. So that's what's going to happen on Thursday show. But here's Tuesday show. So get off. Let's break down Champions League second legs. No ties are really completely over. Um, yes, it's going to be hard specifically out of the four teams for Bayern to overcome a 3-0 deficit against Man City. And, of course, for Benfica to lose at home in the first leg and now go to the San Siro to play Inter Milan down two goals is very difficult. But all the outcomes are still in play here. I I could see a Bayern winning a 4-0 on the night or even a 3-0 and it going to extra time. You know, you could see Napoli at home overturn that one-goal deficit. You can certainly see Chelsea possibly turn in a performance that people are not expecting could be a shocking one, but it could be kind of their last stand as a group of players because it's going to be a different dressing room next season. That's for certain because of the amount of players they've bought. They got to let some guys go in the summer window. So yes, Real Madrid, it is their competition and they are up to nil, but they do go to London and Stanford bridge could turn up for the evening. So 
None of these matches, none of these ties are completely over. Yes, it's very hard for Bayern and Benfica, especially difficult for Chelsea because they're just not a great team in this moment. You know, two goals isn't the worst thing to turn around, but they're just not a great team right now. And yes, again, especially difficult for Benfica going away from Portugal having lost the first leg. So that's very difficult. That is very, very difficult. But again, none of these are out of hand to say. There are comebacks that could be possible. Now, am I saying, you know, each team down here is turning around in the second leg, get ready for the comeback? No, that's not what I'm saying. But um, there's none that are way out of hand. Yes, some are very difficult. Some would be big-time comebacks, but it's not like it's 6-0 after the first leg, good night the lights, uh, play the kids in the second leg, don't get anybody hurt for your domestic league. No. Um, so it's on. It's on. So let's start with Chelsea and Real Madrid. Real Madrid are up 2-0 from the first leg victory at the Bernabeu. Benzema and Asensio off the bench. The goal scorers for the Madristas, the Los Galacticos. Chelsea had moments in the first leg, but they did not take their chances like Real Madrid did. Real, um, fortunate on some bounces, but you know, great teams make their own bounces, and Benzema just seems to be inevitable, and he just continues to score big goals in big moments and in big games. So he's a guy that you have to account for and Chelsea didn't do a great job on him in the first leg. Now the Chelsea team news, uh, Broja's out and Koulibaly's out with a hamstring. Chilwell is suspended after the red card in the first leg. Uh, Chukomanki is out with a knock as well. So a big list of guys on yellow for Chelsea, Kepa, Thiago Silva, Fernandez, Gallagher, Reese James, Koulibaly, Kovacic, and Murdoch. For Frank Lampard, the guest 11 on the UEFA site, uh, Kepa, Fafana, Thiago Silva, and Chaloba, back three, James and Cusarella, the wingbacks, Conte and Fernandez in the midfield, and Murdoch, Havertz, and Sterling up front. So a 3-4-3 is what the UEFA site is thinking. Frank Lampard's going to tread out there. Uh, Badadashi is an option at center back. And obviously, Kovacic could play Conte or Fernandez's role. Off the sheet could play for Reese James. He plays Reese James as a center back. Off the sheet could play uh, right wing back. Mason Mount and Zachariah also in the team, most likely. But probably not starting. This is not a system for Mason Mount, unfortunately, for him. Um, and you would think Chow Felix, who didn't have a great first leg, but has a ton of experience playing against Real Madrid teams, would be in the 11 but apparently Murdoch will get a start, and as will Raheem Sterling, and Havertz has been playing in, in almost every manager's team since coming to Chelsea, that's for sure. So Pulisic, Aubameyang, Jao Felix probably on the bench, according to UEFA. Real Madrid team news. Mendy, the left back, is out with a calf injury on a yellow card for the Galacticos, Carvajal, and Militao. The 11-4, Carlo Ancelotti as guest by UEFA. Couture, Carvajal, Militao. Rudiger, Alaba, then uh, Modric, Cruz, Valverde, midfield. Kamavinga could play in defense. Chomany could play in the midfield as well. And Valverde could go up front if they want to bench Rodrigo, but Rodrigo, Benzema, and Vinicius would be the attack. Asensio probably coming off the bench. 
And unfortunately, Varen Hazard, or fortunately, depending on what he wants to do with his career, he's probably not on the uh, in the eleven. That's for sure. So, Chelsea, is it one last push for this group of players, or is it thrown in the towel on the European season after they pretty much thrown in the towel on the uh, domestic season? They have not played well, uh, really at all. This Chelsea team, so. The fact that they are in a quarterfinal, that it's not dawn in the first leg, give them credit, but they got to turn around. That is for certain. And it's Real Madrid's competition in this era. You know, guys like Cruz, Modric, Carvajal, um, Benzema, you know, they've been there for so long. And um, they just keep winning football matches in this competition. That's all they really continue to do. So give them a bunch of credit. And this match to me, it's we're gonna hit on a lot of key points in all these kind of four matches because a lot of the home teams are the losing side at this moment on the score line. So if Chelsea can have a good start, even keep it scoreless and get some chances and then generate that first goal, the bridge would be rocking. The bridge would be rocking. Um, because they're looking for something to cheer about. You can tell they're looking for something to cheer about the Chelsea fans and they understand they have a very talented team, but it's just not fitting right now. They need a summer to get together and get to know each other in tendencies and play together, but they're going to be <laughs> sending a lot of people out in the summer. That's true as well. So it's a very interesting matchup. Chelsea are going to get chances. Can they beat their former teammate in Kachwa? He's been so big in this competition for Real Madrid. You look at even the, the big saves he's made in the run last year to the final, and then to keep Liverpool Liverpool scoreless in that final, um, to keep that clean sheet was insane. Some of the saves he was making point blank. So he's been an X factor for Real, even if they haven't blown you away with possession or big chances or getting a bunch of goals. It's always been Kachwa for them on the back line to make a big save in a big moment of the game, especially early on when the game is still up for grabs. Um, Kachwa had some big saves on Jao, if I'm not mistaken, in that first leg before Real Madrid did get their goal from Benzema. So Chelsea have to get the first one. They can't concede early um, if they were to concede. You know, at least get yourself a goal and have them tie it, and then you need two or whatever, fine. But don't at any point need three. You know what I'm saying? Um, they got rid of the away goals rule, so it's not the worst thing in the world. But you're just going to have that mountain get taller and taller when you're climbing it, and the clock is going to get uh, quicker and quicker as it feels. Um, so Chelsea need the first one. Have to play with some energy and... Also, discipline against the Real system because we've seen Ancelotti not give teams the ball, but Real have been under pressure a lot in this competition in the last two years. And a lot of the time, they either come out unscathed because Cachua makes a big save, and then even then, they'll go the other way and score. So it's, it's very interesting how these teams match up. Two years ago, Pulisic had a gigantic second leg. Um, can he be the hero off the bench for Chelsea this time around? Maybe, but they're going to have to put him in opportunity to 
he's not going to come on the, off the bench to score a hat trick. You know what I mean? Um, but this is a big moment for this Chelsea side. Um, because, again, this is really the only thing they have to play for. They're they're done in the Prem. Like, they're staying up, obviously. I can't believe we had to have that conversation. But they're going to stay up. They're not in a relegation fight. Um, obviously, they're not qualifying for Europe next season. We know that. So, this is really all you can do. So, Frank should try to play his best 11. Have his impact subs ready to go. And if it doesn't go right, have a plan B and try to get some goals. You know? So... Now, for Ancelotti in Madrid, it's kind of just been the same thing that they've been doing as a side the last few years in this competition, which is, hey, we got Benzema, we got Vinicius, we're going to get some chances, our boys are going to take them, and yeah, we might get a little exposed in the midfield sometimes, but at any point, Modric or Cruz can put an amazing ball on the toe of Vinicius or Benzema, and we could score a goal that easily. And also, if we do break down, Kachwa makes big save after big save after big save in this competition. We've just seen it time and time again. So Chelsea do have a big mountain to climb. Now, is it as big as some of these other uh, comebacks have been in this competition in two legs? No, for sure not. Two goals can be turned around, but you got to get the first one. You can't concede, and you got to get a second one, and you got to keep your fans believing because you need their voice because it's so easy to get down on yourself when you're losing in these matches because the clock just keeps going, and you can't call timeout. It's a very interesting sport. when, we, when As an American, when you look to soccer, like, we have this idea of momentum and the clock and stopping the clock in American sports and, like, Obviously not baseball. Well, there is a clock now in baseball. I'll take it back. But you go to soccer and it's like, no, like the team could just have the ball in your end the whole game. And you can do there's nothing you can do about it sometimes. Straight up. So for Chelsea here, score the first goal. S stay alive. Stay in the game for as long as you can. You know, don't let Madrid just walk into Stanford Bridge, score a goal through Benzema, and say, that's enough. See you later. Kind of a thing. So, um, do I think Chelsea can turn around? They can. They have the talent, but do they have the team and the game plan? I don't believe so. Madrid will advance. Napoli and AC Milan. Milan up 1-0. Benesar, the goal on the counter for Milan. Napoli had chances, but Milan was the team on the score sheet at the San Siro. And big, big, big team news uh, for Napoli, specifically in this match, because they did not have their star striker, the Nigerian Usman, in the first leg, but he will be at the Maradona on Tuesday for Napoli. So team news for Na Napoli. After that first leg, they had chances. They could not score. Um... And Milan got the only goal. So, Kim and Angisa are both suspended. Angisa got two yellows to equal a red last match, and Kim picked up a yellow um, when he was one away from being suspended. So, two big exclusions 
one in the midfield, one on the back line. Simeone also out for Napoli with a thigh injury. So not a ton of depth across the board now for Napoli. A Juan Jesus, Politano, and Rahimani are suspended if they get booked. 11 most likely. Moret, the keeper. DiLorenzo, Rahimi. Juan Jesus is going to come in for Kim at the center back. Uh, Oliveira will be the left back. Uh, Labatka, Elmas, Zelinski in the midfield. Chucky Lozano, Osaman, and Kravashelli up front. Politano could come into the lineup, um, but probably not. He'll probably come off the bench uh, for Spinelli there. So that is the Napoli team news for Milan. Uh, only really one injury concern. Giroud is doubtful with an Achilles injury, but we've seen guys get ruled out on these uh, injury lists and play, so I don't really consider that doubtful. He could probably be in the 11. Uh, Toro Bale, Calabria, Krunic, Tamori, Tanali are all suspended if they're booked this match. Uh, Magnin, the keeper, Calabria, Tamori, Kyer, here, sorry, and Teo Hernandez will be back one. Tiao, Balatore, Des, Florenzi, plenty of options. Um, Arpioli on the bench there for his back line. Most likely, Tenali, Krunic, Benesser in the midfield, and Diaz, Leao flanking either Giroud, Rebic, or Origi. Bakiako probably not in the team. And Junior Messiah, well, probably in the uh, the team, not the 11, I should say. And Junior Messiah could come off the bench if they need a guy in the midfield there. So, Napoli have Osman back, but missing Kim and Angisa. How does it compare? You know, what's the drop-off between Kim and Juan Jesus? Kim's been really good since coming over. Uh, Napoli, that's been a really good signing for them. And uh, he's been a very, very good center back in a... Most likely, Scudetto winning side is they've done all everything but clinch it, if I'm not mistaken. So, they get their striker back in Osaman. They missed him dearly in the first leg. Kyra Shelley now has a bigger target man that he can uh, try to ping to and play crosses to and these chip balls that he likes to do and get their goals on that. Um, but missing Angisa in the middle of the park, who's a very good midfielder, Kind of helps them, not only just like a holding guy, but can play the ball forward, can go forward. Um, very big, important part of their team. So he's gone and Kim gone, but they get Osman back. And Milan is now going for three straight over Napoli in, what, a month's time? Not even. So they've got him in the league uh, in a game where Napoli didn't play their number one team, but they still beat him handedly. And they got him at the San Siro 1-0. I just think, unfortunately for Napoli, AC Milan will score because Napoli missing two of their key players in part of their spine in Angisa in the middle park and Kim on the back line. I know they get Osman back, and that's huge for going forward. Absolutely. But they might be exposed because they're going to have to go forward and try to get a goal. So, does Milan sit in and then breaking the other way, kind of like how they scored and how they nearly scored with Layout earlier in the game, but Diaz breaking the other way. He has Layout. He has Giroud. Benister's running with him. Like, that's a lot of options in a counter 
up a goal in the tie, going the other way, trying to end it with a big counter. So Napoli not necessarily have to score first, only being down one goal, but you would think the quicker you level it on aggregate, the quicker you can get a lead and possibly hold on to that one. So Milan, it will be interesting to see how they play it. Do they try to just nil-nil get out of there and move on, or will they be aggressive in the counter? Does that leave them open for going the other way, coming back? So very interesting how these two Italian teams line up and face each other in this second leg. I think, yes, awesome and back is huge, but again, missing Kim and Geese in the middle and down your spine, I think Milan will just have enough to either keep it nil-nil or if Napoli score, I think Milan will score, and it's going to be a draw, if anything, and, and a draw means Milan go through. All right, Wednesday, Bayern Munich, Man City. City up 3-0 after a fantastic first leg from them. Rodri, Golasso, Silva, and Halan goals. City took their chances, and the best chances for Bayern, Leroy Sané had multiple chances, I'd say three or four, to be fair, and two of them, if not for Ederson, were definitely goals. Um, so his chances got saved for Bayern, and City took their chances in the first leg. Bayern team news, we know Neuer is out as is Lucas Hernandez from that World Cup injury. Chuba Moteng is doubtful, which is big news because Sadio Mane will be suspended after the dust-up with him and Leroy Sané last week. Uh, Kimmich and Mirzawi, Mirzawi, sorry, are suspended if they're booked. 11 for Bayern, most likely. Summer, the goalie. Pavard, DeLitt, Avancano, and Davies, the back line, even with Avancano not playing great um, in that first leg couple mistakes there. So, Jao Cancelo, Stanisic, and Blinn on the bench there on defense. Kimmich and Goretzka in the middle of the park and Gravenberch on the bench. And then, uh, most likely, Komen, Musiala, Sané, and Muller in that striker role instead of um, possibly Sadio Mane, who will be suspended. You got Gnabry also in the team, so he could put he could put Muller in the 10 or Gnabry even in the 10. And uh, Musiala could go to the bench. So options for Teichel and this Bayern team. And listen, he, he's got appointed at a very interesting point in the season. Um, right in the middle of a Champions League uh, quarterfinal uh, run. You know, in the knockout stage between the round 16 and the quarterfinal. And also, they're only up a few points in the Bundesliga now. But just thrust it into a title race and a... Champions League campaign. So that's the story with Bayern for Man City. Foden is still out with the appendix. Akanji is booked or misses the next match if he's booked. So most likely for Pep. Ederson in the post. Kyle Walker back in the team apparently. Um, so Akanji and Laporte most likely drop. But Walker, Ruben Diaz, Ake, and Stones. Uh, the questionable back line, I guess you can because Stones comes into the midfield now. Uh, Rodri. Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, Gunawan, Grealish, and Holland, Mares, and Alvarez will probably be on the bench. Grealish is a must-play right now. Uh, Gunawan has been awesome in Pep Guardiola teams. We know De Bruyne has to play, and Bernardo Silva has been very good as well. So it seems like Rodri, Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, Gunawan, Grealish, Holland, that's set. Mares can't really do much to get into the team right now, which is weird because you would think with Foden 
out, he could be in the team, but it's kind of Bernardo Silva having that role uh, on the right side there. So that is the City team. Again, no Mane with the suspension. It could have been a big moment for Sadio Mane, especially with Chobo Motang being doubtful if he's in the team. Um, it could have been Mane possibly being the hero, getting the scoring started. Bayern need the first two minimum. You know, I've talked about teams needing the first one. Bayern need the first two at minimum because if they can make it 2-0 early enough, you get the belief around the ground, and then at some point you do believe you're going to tie the game. As long as you don't allow the other team to score, until that final whistle, you believe you're going to tie the game. So the quicker you get the first two, you're certainly more able to manifest that third one to tie it, especially when you keep the clean sheet going. So Bayern need the first two minimal, absolutely minimal in this one. And City, this is the one that could end after one goal for Man City very easily. Um, now the road goals rule would have put them away for good. Uh, but Bayern still would have a chance if they did score four and won 4-1, it would still go to extra time. They wouldn't have to score five and win 5-1 uh, to beat that road goal. Now the road goal rule is done, so we have that. And again, down 3-0, but coming home, we've seen it done in this competition before. That's for sure. And then finally, Inter and Benfica. Inter up 2-0 from the first leg in Portugal. Barella, the header, Lukaku from the spot, gave the Nuranesi the halftime lead in this time. And Inter did a very good job away from the San Siro, and now they come home. So the team news for Inter. Skinar is out with the back. DeVrij is doubtful with an ankle. Bastoni, DeMarco, Zeco, Latoro Martinez missed the next match if they're booked. Most likely the 11, Onana, the keeper. Uh, Darmian, Acerbi, and Bastoni, the three center backs. Dumfries, right wing back. DeMarco, left wing back. Barella, Kalangalu, and Mkhitaryan in the midfield. And then Zeko and Martinez, Latoro up front. Lukaku, Crea off the bench. Um, D'Ambrosio could be on the back line, but most likely not. And that is the inter-teamers for Benfica. Unfortunately, Draxler's out. Baz out. Those would be two starters, most likely, in my opinion. Uh, Gagalo Ramos, Florentino, and Joe Mario suspended if they're booked. And Vlacadimos, Gilberto, Antonio Silva, Otamendi back in the team, so that's big. Uh, Grimaldo, the back line. Florentino, Chiquinho in the midfield. Marcinus, Rafa Silva, Joe Mario, and Gonzalo Ramos, the attack near us off the bench. So can Benfica score the first goal and lift their spirits because if they got the first goal away all of a sudden maybe the San Siro there's a little nervous energy they're never going to be quiet right but there might be a little bit of a nervous energy right could Benfica score that first goal Inter again will have the atmosphere they'll have the lead It's going to be very, very difficult for Benfica. But if they score the first goal, they play good defense. They absolutely could 
turn around. Again, only down 2-0. You know, this is not insurmountable. It's not 4-0 going to the Saints here. It's over. 2-0 is turnaroundable. It is comebackable, as they could say. But they got to score the first goal. They can't let Inter just hold the ball. You got to understand there's probably going to be a counterattack going the other way. Vladimir has got to make some big saves for you. He made some saves in the first leg. Can he make some more in the second leg? Personally, I say no. Give me Inter. So I got Inter. I have City going through because I just don't. It's going to be very tough for Brian. Even if they score three, City just have to score one. It's over. Um, I think Milan holds on to the lead against Napoli. And I think Real Madrid. So I have no comebacks. As, as much as I talked about all the comebacks I can have. I'm picking none. Wow, way to go down a limb. Okay, uh, so that is our little Champions League second leg breakdown. Weekend soccer recap now. Aston Villa, Newcastle. Villa win at 3-0. Ramsey gets assisted from Watkins, and Watkins scores a brace of his own. So 3-0 Villa, a big, big, big win for Aston Villa against a team that they're kind of chasing now. Right, because we're looking at the table, and we'll touch on the table in a second after we recap all the games. But it is getting very mighty interesting. That will probably be Thursday's kickoff, by the way. A uh, title race, a top four race, and a relegation battle. That will probably be Thursday's kickoff. We'll look forward to. It. So, Villa beat Newcastle three 0 at Villa Park. Chelsea lose to Brighton at Stamford Bridge. Brighton went at two one. Gallagher deflected goal gave Chelsea a one 0 lead, but then Welbeck a substitute, a big header. At the back post, made it 1-1. And Asiko, and Siso, I don't know how to say this guy's name, unfortunately, but he had a golasso, golasso to give Brighton the 2-1 lead. And they held on to that. Everton and Fulham at Goodison Park. Fulham went at 3-1. Harrison Reed followed up a rebound off a Harvey Wilson effort that struck the post. Reed makes it 1-0 Fulham. Dwight McNeil leveled it for the host, but then Harvey Wilson gets his goal. Harry Wilson, not Harvey Wilson, sorry. Harry Wilson, and then Dan James. Nice little finish to beat Pickford to give Fulham the insurance. So 3-1, Fulham win. Southampton and Crystal Palace. Eze, a brace. 2-0, Crystal Palace win it. Eze, a great player. I mean, that guy's a special, special player for me. I'll say that right now. I think he's a special, special player. Uh, Tottenham, Bournemouth. What a match this was. Bournemouth went at 3-2. Hummingstone got the scoring started. With a Tottenham goal, Vina then equalized for Bournemouth. Solanke gave Bournemouth a lead until the 88th minute where the throw-in came in. It got deflected towards Danjuma, who buried it uh, just inside the edge of the area. 88th minute equalizer, but then Otara, a stoppage time winner for Bournemouth. A gigantic three points for the Cherries. Man City, Leicester City. City win it. Leicester, uh, Man City, that is. Win it 3-1. John Stones, uh, second phase of a set piece, great finish. Halan from the spot. Then Halan got a great pass from De Bruyne. Inacho pulled one back for Leicester City. Then Madison hit the post, and they had another couple chances. So it would have been interesting to see if they had gotten the second goal, but they never got that second goal, and City end up hanging on 3-1. West Ham Arsenal, the title race took a big turn on Sunday after Man City had gotten um, within three with the same amount of games. Arsenal played a game that gave City a game of hand at West Ham. 
They went up on the score sheet 2-0 early. Gabby Jesus at the back post, and then uh, Odegaard at the back post the other way. Um, gave Arsenal a 2-0 lead within the first 11 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Ben Rama from the spot brought one back for West Ham, and then Saka, a missed penalty, two minutes later, second phase of a set piece, ball over the top for Bowen. He beats Ramsdale, and that's how the points are split, 2-2. Two, two. Forrest and Man U at the City Grand Man U went at 2-0. Anthony, uh, beneficiary of a ball that scored towards him at the back post, made it 1-0. And then Diego DeLott gave United the insurance, the second goal. So the injury news for United, unfortunately, gets worse. Martinez is going to be out for the season. Veron is out for a few weeks, most likely the season. So it's Maguire-Lindelof pairing going forward for Ten Hag. He's got no Rashford, no Shaw, no McTominay, no Vanderbeek, no Garnacho, no Malasia, and now no Sabitzer as well added to that list. So Manu with a bunch of games coming up and a injured squad for Ten Hag, to say the least. Monday, action leads in Liverpool at Ellen Road. Liverpool went 6-1. Cody Gakpo got the scoring started. Mo Salah gave uh, Liverpool a 2-0 lead. Sinistera at the start of the second half brought one back for the host. Ellen Rowe was rocking after the Kanate mistake, but Diego Jota scores, ending his year-long goal drought with the injuries. Salah got a second. Jota got a second. Then Nunez came in, and Alexander Arnold played him for his second assist. Uh, for a goal. So Liverpool win at 6-1. Big result for the Reds. You look at the table. Arsenal's played 31. Man City's played 30. Arsenal have 74 points. City have 70. So with the game at hand, if City win it, they will be one point back and they are playing each other um, this week. Next week. Next week, I believe. Which is going to be a very, very big game. Arsenal and Man City at the end. Now the race for top four. Man United with a big win go to 59 points in third. Newcastle lost, so they're at 56 points in fourth. Tottenham lost as well, so they do not increase their point total from 53. Villa up to 50 points. Brighton up to 49 points. Liverpool up to 47 points. Now, Liverpool, it would be very tough, but they do have some fixtures. Brighton have only played 29 games, so if Brighton won their games at hand, or one game at hand over United and Newcastle, they would be 52, so they would be in 6th. Villa would be in 7th. Um, but we'll do that segment on Thursday's show, okay, when we look at the Premier League title race, top four, and relegation battle a bit deeper. So that will be on Thursday's show. Get ready for that on the kickoff. La Liga results, Cadiz and Real Madrid. Real Madrid went at 2-0. Nacho and Asensio, the goal scorers. Getafe and Barcelona, 0-0. Another goalless draw for Barcelona. Barcelona is still 11 points clear in La Liga, though. Atletico and Almeria. Atletico win at 2-1. It was a Griezmann brace. Serie A. Spezia, Calcio, Lazio. Lazio win at 3-0. Immobile, Felipe Anderson. Immobile got in a car accident. I think he's out for the season now, which is very unfortunate for him. He's a great player. Bologna and AC Milan draw 1-1. Napoli and Harris, Valona, Verona draw 0-0. Inter lose to Monza 1-0. Sassuolo beat Juventus 1-0. Roma beat Udinese 3-0. I think Tommy Abraham on the score sheet there. And Florentina and Atlanta draw 1-1. Bundesliga action, Munich, Hoffenheim. That was 1-1. Pavard, a great goal for Munich. Karim Maric, the equalizer for Hoffenheim, the Croatian. Red Bull, Leipzig, Augsburg. Red Bull, Leipzig went at 3-2 at Timo Werner Brace. Good enough for the win there for Red Bull, Leipzig. Stuttgart and Dortmund draw 3-3. 
Haller, Malen, Reyna, the goal scorers for Dortmund, but 10-man Stugart leveled it in stoppage time. So that would have been a big result for Dortmund. Union Berlin and Bochum draw 1-1. Bayern up two points. So Dortmund could have been one point ahead had they won. Oh, no, they would have been one point behind. No, they would have been They would have been tied. I take it back. They would have been tied. Um, so a big, big twist in the Bundesliga. That's that's how you do math, folks. League one, PSG, Len. PSG went at 3-1. Mbappe and Messi, the goal scorers. All right, NFL headlines. Lamar update. The ultimatum apparently has been given to the Ravens to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Rap sheet on McAfee's show. Quote, the deal that the Ravens offered Lamar Jackson was pretty strong. $200 million was the total guaranteed. And the $133 million was guaranteed on the shorter deal. So apparently multiple offers have been made to Lamar Jackson. One, a shorter deal with $133 guaranteed. The other, the longer deal with $200 million guaranteed. So again, it seems like the Ravens are just not meeting the asking price that Lamar has put on himself. And if he doesn't play for the tag, this is going to get really, really ugly really, really soon if it hasn't gotten ugly already. So that's the Lamar Jackson update. How about Aaron Rodgers? Apparently, the deal parameters were set between the Jets and the Packers until Woody uh, Johnson got spooked from the, quote, 90% retired comment. He didn't want to give up top draft capital if Rodgers was just going to be done, was just going to be done after one season. So Packers want a 2023 second and the unconditional 2024 first or this year's first. Woody Johnson refuses to give up any first round pick. So that's the stalemate we're at with the Jets and the Packers in the Aaron Rodgers saga. Now, I don't know what Craig Carton was doing because it certainly wasn't helping the Jets him saying there are other teams involved, like the Niners could come in and get Rod. Like, that doesn't help the Jets at all. If anything, you say there are no teams involved in Rodgers and the Jets, like, I don't know. So that was a really weird move from him, but he's a really weird guy, so I wouldn't be surprised if anything from Craig Carton, to be fair. A lot of things he does don't will never shock me. Um, so, again, Woody here refuses to give up any first-round picks. Um... And that is the latest with Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets and departing the Packers. So those are our QB updates with those guys. How about Jalen Hurts and the Eagles? Agree to a five-year, $255 million contract extension. Makes him the highest paid player in NFL history. So Hurts gets his deal done before Lamar, uh, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. So smart by Howie Roseman and the Eagles to do that because you know you're going to pay the guy. You might as well just pay him now and so you don't have – Three other contracts to compare him to. But here we go. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, a big extension. After Hurts has really been on a bet-on-yourself kind of player, um, really at the end of his college career, transferring to Oklahoma, and then you know, coming into the Eagles uh, organization is not, you know, not the starter. A draft pick where uh, they had Carson Wentz at the time still. So... That's the story with Jalen Hurts. How about Nuke Hopkins? We alluded to Nuke Hopkins with Lamar there. And Nuke tweets out, uh, Hopkins doesn't want to raise uh, Dash Nuke. He ended up deleting it, but I guess DeAndre Hopkins, tired of his name um, being talked about as wanting a contract raise or more money or all that. Maybe he just wants to go to a good team. I don't know. Maybe that's just that. Um, so that's the story there. We had a lot of tweets going on. We had... 
Um, the nuke tweet, we had Jim Ursay, who, here we go with Jim. Quote, for the 23 draft, we have many options. With a number four pick, we could stay put and take a QB, or trade up and take a QB, or trade down and maybe take a QB, or not, smiley face. All options on the table, but we like our position and are very excited. Fire up, football. So he's got a picture of Richardson, Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis. So, you know, we talk about smoke screens a lot. I like to talk about smoke screens, especially draft season. We're getting closer and closer to draft season, so more and more will be coming up. But you never really see the owner just being like, I'm going to do it my way. Here comes the smoke screen. Like, yeah, maybe you've heard an owner give an interview or leak it out who they're talking about picking with a high pick, but you don't usually get them tweeting it out. <laughs> Like our state. So that was pretty funny. Uh, Dan Schneider reached an agreement in principle to sell the Washington Commanders to Josh Harris, who is a 76ers co owner in the NBA. Purchase price apparently $6 billion. Uh, it's a 700% increase from the $750 million Schneider paid for the franchise in 1999. The Harris ownership group also includes Mitchell Rawls and Magic Johnson. So how about that? And that's also. Past the next point, it's gone past the NFL owners, and it seems like it's getting league approved, and the sale will go through. So Dan Schneider will no longer be the owner of the Washington uh, football organization. The commanders now they're called, as we know. Booter Baker also has requested a trade. He's getting wants to trade from the Cardinals, as does a team like DeAndre Hopkins. So Cardinals got to change some of their uh, team around, that's for sure. And Gerald McCoy retires a... Very good defensive tackle, uh, Oklahoma guy. Uh, Tampa Bay Buck for a long time, as we know. Um, pretty good football player. Pretty good football player. Uh, PGA Tour. We had the RBC Heritage go to a playoff. Jordan Spieth first. Matthew Fitzpatrick. Spieth had multiple opportunities to end it, uh, including the first time at 18, and then the second, the the. 17th hole, the second playoff hole, both with putts that you would think he would at least make, I don't want to say a majority of the time, that's not fair to him, but um, he would make um, more times than you would think he would miss them. How about that? Not majority, but how about that? Uh, but he misses the chance at 18. He misses the chance at 17. Then they go to 18 again, and Fitzpatrick puts a nine iron to about a foot. So Spieth had to make his long birdie attempt. He does not. And Matthew Fitzpatrick wins the RBC Heritage. And it's his second win on the PGA Tour, technically. He's won in the DP Tour. We know that. So he has worldwide wins, and he has the U.S. Open last year, but his first um, non-major PGA Tour tournament win, which is cool. But what's really cool, we know he had the history at the Brookline Country Club where the U.S. Open was last year, where he won the U.S. Am there, and then he won the U.S. Open. But how about the history with the RBC Heritage at Hilton Head? The Fitzpatricks like to vacation in the States, take holiday, as they call it, in Europe. And they went to Hilton Head, and they said, hey, we like it here. We're going to keep coming back here. So they would often line up their vacation with the tournament going on over the summer because we know the schedule's been flipped around. But... <laughs> the guy, the family used to vacation there. Of course, he wins it there. So if there's a course that Matthew Fitzpatrick has family history on and the PGA Tour is playing there, you might want to think about wagering on Matthew Fitzpatrick. 
because it just seems like if he or his family have history at a golf course, he's going to win the tournament. It just seems that way. And Spieth played well, gave himself opportunities, but couldn't um, bad bogey on one of the holes on the end there. Uh, completely out of rhythm because Canley is slow as ice, slow as molasses. Uh, but, hey, give Fitzy credit. He shot a career low 63 on Sunday to thrust himself up the leaderboard. And a uh, big win for Matthew Fitzpatrick. Speed's going to win again. Hopefully it's a major. Hopefully it's a PGA Championship for his career Grand Slam, which would be pretty sweet. Um, you know, I talk about Rory's career Grand Slam so much. With Hopefully he wins the Masters. But Speed is also just one away with the PGA. So uh, this week we got the Zurich team competition. So we'll look ahead to some of the team guys. Uh, Cantley and Xander are defending champs. So. Uh, hopefully you're not in their group unless you want to play a little faster. All right. Um, sorry, take you taking shots at Patrick Cantley. It's pretty funny. So Thursday we will recap Champions League second legs. We'll look ahead to weekend soccer, and we'll have a Mando season finale recap. So all that and more on Thursday show. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. Uh, have a great week, and I will talk to you on Thursday. Until then, peace. Check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.